You're listening to Father Kirby Longo's Homilies, powered by Mountain Catholic. Father Kirby is a priest of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Helena, the parochial vicar of St. Anne's Parish in Butte, Montana, and chaplain of Butte Central Catholic Schools. Enjoy. Often in history, a certain thing seems to jump out of place. You know, whether it seems to be coming forward out of history into our time, or whether it seems to be coming at us from the future suddenly, something that doesn't belong in our time. And my grandfather was a pilot in World War II, and he spent most of his time in the Pacific, but he remembers seeing once a, a German jet before Americans had really grasped jet technology. And it was surreal for him because he was putting along and then out of nowhere, this jet just flies by him. It's there and it's gone. And it it was almost like he didn't comprehend what was happening because it was such an incredible jump in technology that he couldn't understand how it existed. And... His friends and him talked about it, and they never really came to a conclusion until after the war, looking back, that that was actually what they had seen. And thank God Hitler was equally incompetent and couldn't implement those things well or produce them adequately to actually make any impact on the war. But it was just one of those examples of, of a serious, weird jump uh, in, in technology that, that seems so out of place. And... Like, like that example, many of those situations we can't really understand until later. I think that's how the gospel is to a certain extent today. So we, we get the disciples sent out on mission, but this is toward the beginning of Jesus' ministry. So he hasn't preached all that much. They haven't been with him for very long, and yet he's sending them out. And so you look at this situation, and especially those beyond the 12 apostles, They just don't know Jesus that well. They just don't know who he is. Uh, They have some clue into what he's preaching. But even even given the sort of inadequacy, he sends them out. And he says to preach that the kingdom of God is at hand for you. And not only that, but to cure the sick, to raise the dead, and to cast out demons. And they go and do it. That's what's so amazing. They kind of go with complete abandonment, you know, no money or goods or shoes on their feet, and they do it. And and it seems so odd because he he admits, you know, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves to prepare for my coming. And wouldn't that seem to be an awful risky thing to do, to send someone who might misrepresent you because they don't know you that well, or who, through their own imperfections, might actually ruin a great opportunity for Jesus to preach the gospel in a, in a particular town. And not only that, he's putting them at risk. You know, it's a difficult time in Israel's history. Preaching the Messiah is dangerous because sort of preaching a usurper to Roman power. It's also dangerous because people were expecting a very different Messiah than Jesus was. He didn't fit the mold that they had. And so it all seems to be a doomed project, but that's not how it ends up. You know, they return rejoicing and tell Jesus that even demons were subject to his name. So what does this sort of pre-Pentecost really interesting missionary journey 
teach us about our own lives as Christians. I want to speak to my own experience because I sort of relate to this gospel really deeply. So when I was in the midst of my conversion, which is something I say now, but when at, at the time I wasn't thinking of myself as being in the midst of a conversion. Was just, I was just a guy. And I was reading a lot, but I was also speaking a lot to people because I was sort of seeking out the truth about who God was. So I was asking a lot of questions. And that's how it began, was just a sort of searching questions of those whom I thought had something interesting to say on the subject of God. But then I came to believe very firmly in certain things, and the questions became more about sort of, I have this hypothesis and I need to flush it out. I need to seek it out. So I need to challenge those who would hold this view and hear their defense, and I need to challenge those who wouldn't hold this view and and hear sort of their opposite opinions, sort of flush out what is actually true. So I'd go up to my old Methodist friends, I was raised Methodist, and ask them about the Eucharist, challenge them on that. I challenged my Lutheran friends on the papacy and on on, uh, the priesthood, challenged my Mormon friends on what the Trinity is, or I challenged my atheist friends on just the existence of God in general. And I realized that it was actually sort of through this process of in some ways, preaching the gospel, defending certain things that I believe to be true, very concretely, that I actually came to believe in those things more deeply and to know them more deeply. So it wasn't in the sort of learning of the things, it was in the sort of discussing and and preaching and defending of the things that I really came to believe them in a deep and powerful way. And, And part of that was because I was often embarrassed I had no answer to the questions that I was asked. I was, I was humbled by those who knew more than me. I, I, I gave poor and totally inadequate answers for what I believed in. And I would say despite my imperfections and limitations though, whenever I had the courage to sort of jump back in and do it again, the Lord was at work in a powerful way. And he sort of he would smooth over a really bad presentation or he'd sort of take the edge off of my arrogance or pride or he'd open my heart or the heart of those who I was speaking to or give me empathy for those who didn't believe in him or, or give me a love of the scriptures and a desire to learn. And I realized then and I, and I realized today that that is just how it must work in the church. You know, God has chosen by some mysterious plan to reveal his gospel, reveal who he is to the world through his disciples. You know, God is infinite. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He could reveal himself to the entire world right now. In an instant, everyone would know who God is. But he has chosen not to do that. Instead, he's chosen to come as a man, die on the cross and rise again and then ascend into heaven and send his disciples who witnessed that out to preach to the nations. And 2,000 years later, that's still our mission to continue preaching that gospel to the nations. And this is, I think, in part why the church seems like it's always on the verge of collapse. Or it's always 
full of scandal. Because it's full of men and women like us, fallen people. And we find the demands of the gospel burdensome. And we're caught up in the allure of the world so often. Or we're trapped in our own sin so we feel like hypocrites when we preach the gospel to others. And, and sort of demand that heroic life of a Christian. Or in our vanity, you know, we care too much about what people think and so we wonder, if I speak this truth right now when I feel called to, is this person going to judge me for it? Are they going to hate me for it? Am I going to lose this friendship? Am I going to lose this person's good opinion? But the only solution to all these sort of insecurities in, in the call to mission is to actually just go out and give it a shot. To go out and try. You know, the, gospels into, or the, the disciples in today's gospel are, by modern, modern parlance, they're noobs. You know, they, they don't know what they're doing. They're new to the faith. Yet they go out and work very powerfully. And, and there's no point at which any of them or any of us are suddenly competent to preach the gospel. There's, there's, that never comes. It's not a point in time that you'll never know when you're suddenly competent. It's always a gift. You know, ministerial priesthood, my vocation, it requires a certain level of education. And that's because... It's my job to equip you to go out and preach the gospel. And you don't want an idiot doing that, I guess. You need someone who at least knows their stuff standing up here, or else it's just not, what's the point? You know, so that matters because my mission, which is to prepare you, is not nearly as important as your mission, which is to preach the gospel to the entire world. And... So the priest can only go so far. The priest's mission has serious limits, both in number and in how far we can go. There's just certain parts of society I'm never going to make it into. Whereas you who are in the world can go out into every nook and cranny, out to the fringes in a serious way that, that the priest cannot. And so the gospel is preached primarily by the people of God. And so that, that's just a mission that's so huge and expansive uh, that, we, that we must take it very seriously. And you might be saying, well, Father, it's 2019. You know, that, that, those conversations just don't come up as, as much as they used to. You know, it's, it's, the world's become very secular. But I would say in a secular world, people are starving more than ever for God. The questions are still there. They haven't gone away, and they're not being talked about. So when they are talked about, the attentiveness that I see, especially in young people, when, when, the, when the question of God comes up, is, is unbelievable, um, because it's just something that's never spoken of anymore. Uh, and so there, in that sense, there's, people are more ready to engage in spiritual conversations than they ever have been before. I would say if the people you work with, people at your workplace or your friends, if they don't know that you're Catholic and that you take your faith seriously, that's a problem. So you can think to yourself, do the people I work with, do the people I'm around every day know that I'm Catholic? And if they don't, 
Why not? It's, a, it's worth an examination. Because the way that you live, the way that you speak, the decisions that you make, how you treat people, should make it obvious that you're, that you're Catholic. And then they should, that should always give you an opportunity to preach. So look for these opportunities. Ask Jesus to provide them. Actually make it a prayer that you be given the opportunity to preach the truth today. Because living, living at your missionary role in the church might, might feel sort of out of place. You might feel ill-equipped like the disciples in today's gospel. Or you might say, how am I supposed to defend a church that's constantly falling into scandal? That's full of scandal, it seems. Like every other day there's a new scandal. How am I supposed to defend that church? How am I supposed to defend a church that preaches a morality that's so at odds with our culture today that it seems that people almost dismiss it offhand as outdated? How am I supposed to defend that church? How am I supposed to defend a church that preaches selfless love, sacrificial love, in a world of people who are obsessed with themselves, who who preach nothing but self-love? How are we supposed to do that? Well, pray for the opportunity, and Christ will provide it. And then, when, when people see that boldness, that preaching of the truth boldly, they will respond. The truth always has that catching force. Uh, what does Jesus tell you? I've given you the power to tread upon serpents and scorpions, and the full force of the enemy, and nothing will harm you. I want to end with a quick story. Uh, back in the day, you know, Maybe an example that will give you a little bit of courage. So I was working fires down in New Mexico. I was in college, and I was sort of walking up this ridge line with this crew of people, and I didn't know them that well yet. It was my first year. And it's a rough crew of guys, really rough crew, actually. And we're walking up this ridge line, and somehow the, the topic of abortion came up. I don't even remember how, but... Someone asked the question, and you know, what do you guys think, or something like that. And the first multiple voices came in, and they were all very pro-choice and pro-abortion and all those things. And it seemed like a sort of general consensus was forming. And then I was like, kind of just thinking to myself, I can't stand by anymore. I need to say something. So I just, all I could think to say was, you know, I. I think abortion is totally wrong all the time. And then what proceeded was one of the longest, most awkward silences of my entire life. Just horrible, awkward silence. With this whole group of guys, you know, my bosses, my, you know, new friends, just silently walking up this ridge for like what felt like an hour. And then someone finally was just like, why? Why do you think that? And so I finally, I got the opportunity. I was like, well, God created us. We all have dignity because of that. And we have no right over others' lives. And, and I, I, I didn't say it eloquently. I said it really, I did a really poor job of defending that. But that, even though it felt so horrible and awkward, began a conversation that lasted, you know, 14 days through the entire trip that we were on. And covered every single possible topic we could have covered. And I felt like I was offending everyone personally all the time in that conversation over those next two weeks. And I felt like I had 
alienated myself from my bosses. I felt like I had, like, tried to, I, I felt like I had ruined everyone's party, basically, in that course of that time. But that conversation has borne incredible fruit in my life. I mean, I have friends today that I think I only have because I stood up for what I believed in in that moment. I've, I've done multiple marriages that I think I only presided over as a priest because I stood up for what I believed in that moment. I've had random phone calls from people I haven't talked to in years because their life fell apart. And I was the only person who said, if you do this, your life will fall apart. And, and so even though in that moment it felt horrible and I felt like such a, uh, I felt like I was, that preaching the truth was destroying my life, uh, it bore fruit. So I just want to say be create courageous because you're a member of Christ's body. And no matter the mess that's in our church today, you know your mission as a Christian because you're in the church and you know God's love because of that as well. And that's the only place where we find our mission and the only place where we feel the fullness of God's love. So we need to preach in order that the whole world can come to experience that, God's love, and to know the mission for their lives. Uh, That's always worth preaching the truth. It's always worth preaching the gospel. You know, Jesus says the harvest is abundant. The laborers are few. In our own town, the number I hear all the time is that Butte is 75% baptized Catholic. You're like, where is everybody, man? Where are they? And, and, and if, if that's true, then the harvest is abundant. You know, and, and it's okay that the laborers are few. Because the Lord is with us and the Holy Spirit is with us. So let us get out and do the Lord's work and he will bring the harvest. Amen.